nice uh, cloudy, wet day outside. It's good movie watching weather, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm glad you all are here today. And uh, today we are, as Jeff has been saying in the opening this morning, we're moving into week three of Advent and focusing on joy, real and true joy. So what I decided to do earlier this week, and if you're, uh, if you're one of my Facebook friends, you might have seen this, I asked folks for their responses about joy. And I wanted to start off this morning by sharing them with you, because they're pretty great. And here's what various people told me what joy means to them and how they would define it. First up says, to me, joy is happiness that can't be taken away by outside circumstances, which means that I find my joy in Jesus. Joy stands for Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. Joy is found in Jesus. Got lots of Sunday school answers so far. Joy is in my family and being thankful for all my blessings. Regardless of life's trials, always something to be grateful for. That is my source of joy. It all comes from above, God, family, and friends. And then they added, easy peasy. Joy is a fruit that needs to be nourished, unlike happiness, which is an emotion. Example, this person gave one all out, gave me an example too. A Christian brother or sister is called home, passes away. We are not happy at this time. However, we can have joy in the knowledge they are face to face with Jesus at that time. Joy should never change within us. It is a fruit of the spirit. Like all fruits, nourish it, feed it. It is not happiness. I found this quote that I wanted to share with you all. Um, this was not something that was put on my Facebook status. It says, joy is like the hidden note in the glass. Joy is tuning in to what God is doing around you. Seeing the world through his eyes. Picking up on his delight in us as his children. Anyone can find happiness for a while. Happiness depends on what is happening to you. Joy is different. Joy goes deeper. Joy is when your whole being sings because you have caught a glimpse of God at work. Joy can creep up on you and surprise you in unexpected places. So have that quote, have some feedback from Facebook. So naturally, I did the final piece, which is a Google search. And I looked for things that people tend to find joy in and where they look for it. So I found this website, stumbled across this, and outlined 12 different ways that this website called The Best Ways to Find Joy in Everyday Life. First, look for meaning. Second, think small picture. Third, straighten out your spiral. Four, make room for a passion. Set a goal outside your comfort zone. Be present. Confront your past. Choose authenticity. Volunteer. Reconnect with nature. Make opportunities for laughter. Seek out positive people. Now, these things, not necessarily bad quotes, bad feedback, a bad list, but now we're going to take a turn and see what God's word 
has to say about joy and unpack joy. And we are going to focus on the difference between joy and happiness. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the ability to gather together and worship you. And Father, as we dig into your word this morning, may, um, may the words that you have for us to, to hear and to see, will they just jump off the pages at us? And may every single word that comes out of my mouth, may they be your words, Father. And we ask this all in your name. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 to start us off this morning. And the Bible says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So if you know your New Testament and you know uh, Paul, you know where Paul spent a majority of his time in prison. So how strange is it to think about this man who spent a majority of his time in prison could tell a church to rejoice, be full of joy. Listen to that text again. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. You see, if we really consider it, Paul can teach us a lot. If we read the text and we break it apart, especially these particular two verses, his attitude teaches us something. And it really teaches us a very important lesson. And I don't want us to miss this. You know, starting off a little hot and heavy here this morning, Paul is teaching us that our outward circumstances do not need to affect and determine our inner attitudes. Paul was full of joy, someone in prison full of joy. But how could this be? He's sitting in prison. I mean, I don't know about you all, but that does not exactly sound like a joyful situation. Like, hey, be joyful. I'm here in prison. It's, just, it's, it's very, very interesting. He was full of joy and everybody's like, why? How could, you, how could he be full of joy? Here's why. He was full of joy because he knew that no matter what happened to him, the God of the universe was with him. If you unpack more of the book of Philippians, which I really encourage you to do, you will find that Paul urged the Philippians to be joyful numerous times. Now, let's think about this from a practical standpoint. Parents, why do you repeat yourself to your children? Ah, yes, because what you're saying is important and they need to hear it. How many times have you had to repeat yourself more than once, parents? Wow, no hands up all over them. You guys are doing a great job of parenting. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, we're going to have a parenting class after service today, and you all are going to teach us why you don't need to repeat yourself. I mean, but think about that. We repeat ourselves because it's important. We need to get the point across. It's quite clear. If you read through the book of Philippians, it is quite clear that these people needed to hear this message from Paul. Now, I want to tell you this morning, this is probably something that you already know, but it is really easy to get discouraged when things aren't going our way. Maybe those gifts that you were planning on purchasing this Christmas are they went up in price like everything else these days. 
and you just can't get them and holidays are getting a little rough, holidays are getting a little tough and it's very easy to fall in and slip into this place of discouragement. Which if you think about from Paul's perspective, he's sitting in prison. Probably a really easy thing to slip into a place of discouragement. It's easy to do that when things get hard, when challenges come our way and sometimes it gets to the point where we start taking things that really aren't that important and we make them super serious. And we do that because we've lost sight of God. We've lost sight of his plan and we've lost that reminder that he's still moving and that he has a plan through it all. Now, I know that sounds like a super cliche churchy Sunday school thing, but it's the reality because we all do it. We go through this, this, the Christmas season and we go through the gift purchasing. We go through the gift giving. We go through the family coming. We go through the family going. We go through this. We go through that. And there are these moments where we are just like, oh my gosh, what is happening right now? And we get so just in the hustle and bustle that we forget that he's in control. It's like we, we get these moments of, why is this happening? Why is that happening? How could this happen? How could that happen? Well, some people often say, you know, I, I can't really find God. To which my response to them is, well, where are you looking for him? Where are you looking for him? If we are truly showing joy, and the joy that only comes from the Father we will be more considerate. We will be more reasonable. We will be more fair-minded. And we will show more compassion to those outside of the church walls, not just fellow believers. Because last time I checked, that's what we're called to do. So here we got Paul talking about joy from prison in Philippians 4. And now I'd like us to shift our attention to when joy arrived on that night in Bethlehem. Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 20. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him, in, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels have returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. 
But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. See, on that night, joy had arrived. And it arrived in such a magnificent way that only God can do. Talk about a joyous birth announcement. I mean, seriously, there is going to be no no gender reveal, birth announcement, or whatever that's even going to come close to this one. I mean, even the funny ones that end up on America's Funniest 10 Videos, just saying. So here we have these shepherds. They're absolutely terrified. But as we read through this text, what happens? Their fear turned in to joy. Their fear turned into joy. Notice how the joy moved their response. What did they do? The joy in the angels announcing the birth of the Messiah moved them first to run and see the baby. Then what did it do after that? It moved them to spread the word. You see, joy moved them. That's so often what joy does in our lives. Joy moves us to action. When exciting news comes our way that brings us joy, it moves us to celebrate. It moves us to a response. That's what we have to remember this with joy. It moves us to a response. We have joy in our hearts that Jesus is our Messiah. He is our Savior. And that joy should move us to meet him every single day through prayer, through Bible study, each and every single day. People say all the time, I want to be closer to God. I want to feel God. I want to be closer to him. Two things, prayer, Bible study. We want to be closer to God, prayer, Bible study. You see, the thing is, with this joy that moves us to action, that moves us to meet him every single day, we let the hustle and the bustle block it. We let the negative block it. We let the downtimes block it from moving as a result of joy. Most of you know this, um, Friday the 2nd, a week ago this past weekend, um, we at the radio station, we had the For King and Country concert, UMBC. It was sold out, 4,600 people. It was going to be a night of joy. It was going to be a night of just, um, just amazing worship and fellowship. And I say joy because the joy from the night and the stories and the, the word, the scripture that was read moved people to tell others, to invite others, hopefully to church this Christmas. But you see, there was some negative that happened earlier in the day that the vast majority of the people that attended that concert that night had no idea about. You see, the band was coming from Boston, Massachusetts the night before, which if you know you're traveling, Boston to Baltimore is not exactly right around the corner. So not much could go wrong in the night before. So they were supposed to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning. So I got there at about 7.30 and was waiting and 8.30 rolls and... 8.45 rolls and 9 o'clock rolls and there's not a bus in sight. I remember Cherish called me. She goes, how's everything going? I said, I'm sure it'll be great once they get here. (laughs) She said, they're not not there yet? And I said, no, they're not here yet. 
So then we get a text message. The band in all three of their tour buses is sitting north of Newark, Delaware on I-95 and they haven't moved in almost an hour. They're trying to find out what's going on. And they said, well, as soon as we know something, we'll let you know. We're like, okay, here, okay. So, you know, those, those negative thoughts, they're starting, to, they're starting to creep in. They're starting to block the joy from what that day is going to bring. About 9.45 rolls around, we get another phone call. They still haven't moved. And they have found out that there was uh, a, a police involved. Uh, there was a, an incident that involved a shooting on the highway. And they were not going to be moving anytime soon. So we get closer to 10, 10, 15. They are now, if you know your I-95, <laughs> there's pretty much only one way up and one way down. They're rerouting all the buses around to come a different way up and around. They pull into the venue at quarter of 12, almost four hours late. And everybody is hustling and bustling around and, and people are they're, they're, they're trying to push the cases in quickly. They're bumping into each other. They're moving this and they're moving that. And it was in that moment where we as a team got together with For King Country's leadership team. We're like, you know what? This is going to be fine. Because all of this negativity, all of this hustling, all of this bustling was affecting people's joy. And you could see it all over people's faces. Folks, we have to remember that Jesus is our Messiah, that Jesus is our Savior. And we need to remember that 24-7, 365, and not only in those moments of negativity. Because when we remember that constantly, those moments of negativity will affect us less and less and less. See, we get in this mindset where we're like, oh yeah, that is so great. That is so awesome. But then there's this, and then there's that, and then there's the other thing, and then there's this. And in that split moment, that movement that is supposed to come from our joy is blocked and we're frozen solid and we don't act on it. This Christmas season, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he wants nothing more than for you to help others discover that same joy that is in your heart that motivates you and your action. When we have the joy of Jesus in our hearts, we should be sharing that joy all over the place. The question that needs to be asked of ourselves today is, how does joy motivate us to action? You need to ask yourself that today. How does joy motivate you to action? I need to ask me, Stephen, how does joy motivate Stephen to action? We need to think about that, and we need to think about that in a very practical way because we need to think about the joy that accompanied the birth of Christ all those years ago. Good news, great joy. You see, there is this pretty common belief that differentiates between happiness and joy. And this is one that I believe. Happiness, let me tell you, happiness is based on circumstances. I'm going to be real happy when the Ravens wipe the floor with Pittsburgh today. It's got to be a Stephen message. Got to get a Ravens thing in there, sorry. <laughs> happiness is based on circumstances. When you get that gift you want, you got happy. When something's going right, 
you get happy. When things are all going good, you get happy. Expensive gifts, good food. I love good food. Good food makes me happy all the time. Parties, celebrations, Christmas lights. My coworkers make fun of my Christmas lights because I have so many of them that they sent me a video this morning of this house that's like decked out in Christmas lights and the next door neighbors have two strings of multicolored lights that make an arrow pointing to the neighbor's house. And they said, that's me. So <laughs> all of these things bring us happiness. Go into train gardens. You know, uh, Lucy got to do, she's in a, a little uh, dance company over here and they got to perform at a breakfast with Santa this morning. Lucy who cries every single Saturday when it's time to go to dance class, but then doesn't want to leave when she's get there. Parents, sound familiar? And you could just see the happiness all over her face and the kids' faces. But remember, like I said, happiness is based on circumstances. They're only temporary. We're going to get home today. Luke is going to steal a toy from her, and that happiness is going to be gone. If you think about it, our happiness... It goes away. The happiness of putting Christmas up, the decorations, the lights. I've never met someone who loves taking Christmas decorations down. Time to bring in the lights. Woohoo! I mean, no, I've never met anyone like that. Happiness is temporary. Joy comes from within. It transcends what happens to us. Good things that God blesses us with makes the joy swell in our hearts. While happiness is often fleeting and disappears when circumstances change, like when Christmas is taken from us, joy remains constant, even in the darkest times. It may not burst from you, but it remains the same. The joy is there while happiness has run away. This is the joy of Jesus. This is what Christ brings to us when he comes. It's the joy of forgiveness, the joy of grace, the joy of love, the joy of mercy. Throughout our history, people have pursued joy in every avenue imaginable. Some have successfully found it, while others have not. Perhaps it would be easier to describe where joy cannot be found. Not in unbelief. Voltaire was an infidel of the most pronounced type. He wrote, I wish I had never been born. Not in pleasure. Lord Byron lived a life of pleasure if anyone did. He wrote, the warm, the canker, and the grief are mine alone. Not in money. Jay Gould, the American millionaire, had plenty of that. When dying, he said, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. Not in position and fame. Lord Beaconsfield enjoyed more than his share of both. He wrote, youth is a mistake, manhood a struggle, old age a regret. Not in military glory. Alexander the Great conquered the known world in his day. 
Having done so, he wept in his tent before he said, there are no more worlds to conquer. Where then is real joy found? He didn't say this, but the answer is simple. In Christ alone. So here we are, about midway through the month of December, and maybe so far this Christmas season has brought you anything and everything but joy. Maybe you've been sick. Sickness seems to be spreading like wildfire all over the place. Everybody, you know, we're all just being, sharing and just passing it all around. Maybe this Christmas season has brought you anything and everything but joy. And you've really got a hard time finding some joy around you. Maybe you haven't been joyful lately. And you just haven't felt that joy. It's my prayer today that through the service, through the worship, through the, the prayer time, through the message, communion we're about to have together, is that you allow the Holy Spirit to remind you today that true joy, real and true joy, is found in Jesus. The promise of his second coming and not a single place anywhere else. If you get nothing out of today's message, like, man, that guy in that final talked forever. I pray that you get this. Ultimate joy, real and true joy, comes from knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior and having him dwell inside of you. It does not come from a single present that's going to be opened under your tree. It doesn't come from a single ornament that you're going to put on that tree. It doesn't come from a single light bulb that you're going to put outside that's going to burn out some way before the end of December. It comes from Jesus and knowing him. Despite whatever bad news you might have gotten over these past few weeks, months, this past year, I'm going to give you some good news this morning. Jesus is coming back again. And when he does... That entire concept of ultimate joy will be obtained and it will be made crystal clear. He who lives with you will fulfill his plan for you in your life. Leaving you with this today before we close and move into communion together. Our first picture of Jesus for many of us is as a baby in a manger. The thing is, that must not be our last image of him. Jesus as a baby in the manger is the center of a beautiful Christmas scene that has covered Hallmark cards for years, but we must not leave him in the manger. This tiny little baby would go on to live an amazing life one that would shake the very fabric of our world. He died for us. He ascended into heaven and will return again one day. I want to encourage you this Christmas that if you have left Jesus in the manger, do not underestimate him and let him grow up in your life. 
Let's pray. God, we thank you again for this time to dig into your word this morning. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for the the fellowship we've had. And Father, as we uh, continue our service and uh, have some announcements and prepare for communion, Father, I just pray that uh, if there's anyone here that is struggling today, they would uh, talk to somebody before they leave today so we could be praying for them and with them. And Father, that we would truly remember, it sounds so cliche, but it's so true, that you are the reason for this Christmas season. And we ask this all in your mighty name. Amen.